in the Word of God, I have a, what I told Sister Christie was a verse of Scripture that I've never seen. I've read this story, I don't know how many times, but I've never seen this one verse of Scripture. It is found in 1 Kings chapter 8, in verse 12. I won't read the whole story, but I will read this one verse. The Bible says, Then spake Solomon, The Lord said that he would dwell in thick darkness. The Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. I want to title this, God's Not Afraid of the Dark. If you will pray one more time that God would bless his word, then you may be seated. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to be in the house of God, together with people of like precious faith. We pray, God, today that our hearts and our minds would be open and receptive to the word of God. That, God, you would anoint the speaker, anoint the year. That, God, you would have your way in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen, and then you may be seated. I remember several years ago, I went hunting with a good friend of mine in a place that I'd never been before. And we got into the woods that afternoon. It was very early in the afternoon. It was plenty of daylight. And he left me at the gravel road at a little trail. And he said, Merrill, if you'll just walk down this trail for a little ways, you're going to find the place that I want you to hunt. And he said, I'll come pick you up after dark. You walk back out, meet me right here, big, long gravel, big, wide gravel road, and, and I'll meet you right here and pick you up. And, and so I was good with that. And so that night after dark had fallen, I left the place that I was hunting and began to walk up that trail. It was a very well-defined trail, and I had my flashlight. And now you understand, out here in the woods, there's no street lights, there's no security lights, there's not a, a house casting some light. It's, it gets dark out there pretty fast, and so I had my, my little flashlight that I always carried, and, and I was walking down this trail, and the further I went, I started noticing it was getting harder and harder to see where I was going. And I looked down, and my little flashlight was getting real dim. Thankfully... Before it went completely out, I made it to that, to that gravel road where I was going to meet my buddy, but it was, it was right there that it went completely out. I mean, it would not cast any light. You couldn't see anything. And, and so there I found myself in a strange place, and I was in complete and total darkness. When I say it was dark, I mean there was no moonlight. There were no stars out. It was pitch black. I understand when they say that you couldn't see your hand in front of your face because I tried it. I literally put my hand right here and I could not see it. It was that dark. And I found out something about total darkness at that moment. Your hearing improves. Do you know that? If you go out in the dark woods where you're not familiar and you don't have a flashlight, your hearing improves. Because all of a sudden you hear all kinds of things. And when you have no way of defending yourself uh, or seeing an attack coming from a grizzly bear that's just about to eat you. 
And I, I, I remember standing there that this happened right here in Louisiana, but I, I'm telling you, I heard bears, and I heard mountain lions, and I heard all sorts of evil and vile beasts that were wanting to rip me limb from limb. I heard them in the woods, and it was only my diligence of looking real hard. And it's in total blackness that you strain your eyes to look, but you can't see. Do you know the harder you strain your eyes, it doesn't mean that's going to produce any more light. And so there I found myself in what I like to call thick darkness. It was not darkness that was just dark. It was not darkness illuminated by a distant security light or a distant street light. There was no full moon. There was not even a half moon or a crescent moon. There was nothing. And it's what I want to call thick darkness. And I'll be honest with you, in that, that time of finding myself in this thick darkness, I got a little bit apprehensive. All right, I'm not even going to kid you, I was scared. I was standing there. I had a high-powered rifle, and I was scared to death. And I knew that there was nothing in those woods I could not take on. But it did not help because, you see, I couldn't see anything. It was a thick darkness. I couldn't see what was going on around me. I couldn't see the source of the crunching of the leaves that I was hearing. I couldn't hear, see the source of the, the rustling of the leaves. I couldn't see the source of footsteps that I heard in the distance. See, I couldn't see any of that. I couldn't understand what was going on. I couldn't comprehend what was around me. All I could see was darkness. It was pitch black. And when I read this scripture uh, that is my text, that the Bible says that God would dwell in the thick darkness, it caught me a little off guard because you see, we always see God as a God of light. We just sing about the light of God and, and, and the darkness that it dispels and we always see God as a God of light and that's rightfully so. All throughout the word of God we hear about God being light. In Genesis 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, the Bible says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. The very first thing that God creates is light, because He doesn't want us to live in darkness. We start off the word of God with God creating light. We end in the word of God. In Revelations 21 and 23, the Bible says, talking about heaven, and the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Here again, the Bible showing us that God is a God of light. So from the beginning to the end of the book, we are introduced to God is in this way, in Psalms 119, 105, a very, very popular scripture setting, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In other words, God, the word of God can show us where we're at and where we're going. He's a God of light, and we understand that, we believe that. In John 8 and 12, the Bible says, Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. And he that followeth, uh, followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. 
In the book of Psalms alone, over 13 times the psalmist refers to God as a God of light. And no doubt David's son Solomon had heard his father say it hundreds of times. Solomon, if you ever listen to anything I say, son, please listen to this one statement. God is a God of light. God is an illuminator. God doesn't leave people in darkness. God doesn't want us to live in darkness. You see Solomon as they no doubt walk through the palace grounds. The first thing that God created was light. God always wants us to see who he is. God wants us to have revelation. God wants us to see where we're at. And he wants us to see where we're going. You understand God, uh, Solomon that God is not a God of darkness at all. And no doubt Solomon had grown up hearing those very words, but yet and when he is making this public address at the dedication of the temple, the Bible has just said that they made all of these sacrifices and the priests did their, their ministering in the temple and the glory of God descended like a cloud into that temple. And the Bible says the priests couldn't minister. And just before Solomon turns to bless the people, he makes this statement that God said he's going to dwell in thick darkness. It doesn't even fit. It's not a part. It doesn't seem to fit in the message that God is uh, that Solomon is fixing to preach. He's fixing to bless the people. He's fixing to tell them about how awesome God is. He's fixing to tell them if they'll continue to serve God, their life would be blessed beyond measure. And before all of that starts, he reminds them that God would dwell in thick darkness. There are three types, there's more than that, but there's three types of this darkness that I want to talk about today. The first type is found in Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 28, a very popular uh, scripture setting in the word of God. We've all heard this story even since Sunday school, and this is a self-made darkness. It may take you a minute to get on board with me, but I hope you will. Get on the wavelength, brother. Get on the wavelength. I hope you found a little humor in that after last Sunday service. It's self-made darkness. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 32, verse 24 through 28, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled with a man, wrestled a man with him, until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint and he, as he wrestled with him. And he, Jacob, said, Let me go, or the angel said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he, the angel, said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. I want you to understand the story of Jacob, what led up to this moment. Jacob deceived his father. Y'all remember that? Jacob deceived Isaac, his father, and took the birthright that rightfully belonged to Esau. The last time we see them together in the scripture, Jacob is getting ready to flee for his life. 
Esau is angry and he's ready to kill Jacob. And his mother tells him, said, Jacob, you've got to get out of here, buddy. You've got to run because your brother has some evil intent in his heart against you. So Jacob takes off and he runs. And while he's running, he finds this, this rock and he lays down. And, and he has a, uh, an experience, a vision there of a ladder and angels. And, and he gets up and he says, surely the presence of God was in this place. And I knew it not. And he continues on his journey. And for 20 years he works with Laban and he amasses some cows and some sheep and he gets two wives. Don't know how smart that was. but He winds up with these, these wives and then not only does he have two wives, he has two concubines and they have a bunch of kids. And, and so now it's time to go back. And on his way back he gets some disturbing news. His brother Esau has not forgiven him. He's not forgotten his grudge. Not only has Esau not forgotten his, his grudge, but Esau has prospered. And he has several hundred heavily armed men with him, and they're coming to destroy Jacob. And it gets to be a dark time in Jacob's life. You see, Jacob did the deceiving. Jacob committed an atrocity against Esau. And later on when Jacob had hoped all of that was over and he hoped that all of that had been forgotten and that surely Esau wouldn't still be holding a grudge, when Jacob attempts to come home, when Jacob attempts to get back to his place of his nativity, then all of a sudden he finds out that Esau has nothing but evil intent in his heart for him and desires to kill him. And not only is he going to kill him, he's going to kill his wife and his kids and all his flock. He's going to destroy Jacob from off of the face of the earth. And, and so now Jacob has inherited these problems. A past mistake in Jacob's life begins to cause him a very dark time in his life. A transgression that he committed 20 years ago has now reared its ugly head. Now it's caused his family to be divided. It's causing family trouble. His future is uncertain. All that Jacob knows is that somehow I have gotten myself into a mess my family is now divided, hoping that one half of them will survive. I don't know if tomorrow I'll live or tomorrow I'll die. So the only thing Jacob knew that he could do was go back to a rock where he, that some 20 years before I had a relationship with God. God met me there. God spoke to me there. God gave me a promise there. And if I can get back to God, then somehow God will help me work it out. And all night long, the Bible says uh, that there was an angel that wrestled with Jacob. I want to let you know today that God was not afraid of the darkness uh, that was facing Jacob's life. Uh, he made a mess of his own life. He made some bad decisions, but it didn't intimidate God. It didn't worry God. The darkness didn't make him afraid. He was willing uh, to go back and to get a hold of Jacob uh, in that very special place uh, and wrestle with him. Uh, and in my opinion, to get some things out of Jacob that Jacob needed to get out of him. And he changed his name from Jacob uh, to to Israel, he went from a planter or a supplanter or deceiver to a prince with God. And it was all done in the darkness. It was not done in the light. And people, <coughs> excuse me, people sitting in this building this morning, there's been bad decisions that we've made. 
Everybody in this place has made some bad decisions in the past and sometimes those decisions come back. It may not happen immediately, but at some point that decision comes back to haunt you. It could be a decision of a relationship or, or financial. It could be anything. It could be any decision. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in the dark nighttime. We don't see so good in the darkness. Jacob didn't understand what was completely going on. I can just about guarantee you there was not a street light beside that stone. If there was any light, it was natural light all night while Jacob wrestled with this, with this angel. No light. No light. But God will dwell in the thick darkness of your bad decision. He's not going to leave you. He'll dwell there. I do want to point out too that God did not hurry the dawn. You know when we get to wrestling around and it gets to be a dark time. Anybody ever gone through a dark time in life? What's the first thing we pray? God, let it be dawn. Hurry up. I want this over with. I want it finished. But God doesn't hurry the dawn. Instead of God hurrying the dawn, he'll get a hold of you. And you can wrestle with him if you want. I'm not sure the angel was there to wrestle. God simply went down and said, Jacob, it's a dark time, buddy. It's going to be a long night for you. You don't know the future. You don't know about your family. It's scary. It's scary right now. So I'm going to come down, Jacob, and I'm going to hold you in this moment. Jacob wrestled with the angel. I'm not sure the angel was there to wrestle with Jacob, but I do want you to understand that after the process was over and Jacob went through all of the night, when it started breaking day, when the new day began to dawn in his life, God did not leave him without a blessing. And he changed who Jacob was. And I'm telling you, God can take you. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter the bad decisions. It doesn't matter the hurt and the heartache. God can take what has been your past. And he can take the darkness of that past. And you can come out of it blessed. You can come out of it changed. You can be a different person. Because God dwells in thick darkness. The second type of darkness that I want to talk about today is found in Daniel chapter 6, verse 16 through 22. And again, another very popular and well-known Bible story. But I want you to listen to what happens in Daniel's life. In verse 16, the Bible says, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and did cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake unto Daniel and said, uh, Daniel... Thy God, whom thou servest continually, will he deliver thee? And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. I want you to notice, the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. There were neither instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. And the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. 
My God has sent his angel and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocently was found in me and also in thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Daniel had violated the law of the king. There were some people. This second principle that I want to talk to you about is the, the principle of darkness that we're cast into. Some people decided they wanted Daniel to quit his prayer life. And so they got the king through some means of, of trickery to pass a law that said that if you prayed to anybody other than the king, then you would be cast into the lion's den. And they did it to get to Daniel. Daniel did nothing wrong. Daniel didn't do anything contrary. Daniel didn't offend. Daniel wasn't the problem. But there were a group of people that decided they wanted to get rid of Daniel. And so they had him cast into a lion's den. And I want you to understand, they put a stone over the top of it. And it was nighttime. It got real dark in the lion's den. Now I can imagine being there. I hope I never do have to be one. But I can imagine you're sitting there and you know that there's all of these lions around you. And they don't have your best interest at heart. And here sits Daniel. Daniel is pitch black. He can't see the lions, but he can hear them breathing. He don't know where the lions are exactly where they're at, but he can hear as their nails are scraping the stone that make up the floor of the lion's den. He can hear that all night. He doesn't know exactly how many lions are there, but he can hear them breathing. And no doubt as they moved around during the night, he could maybe feel their hot breath or he could maybe smell them as they moved close by him or even brushed against his leg. And here's Daniel. He is in a pitch black lion's den. He can't see anything. He doesn't understand what's going on. He only knows that he prayed and that God has now delivered him to a dark lion's den. No doubt he's wondering, what did I do to deserve this? What atrocity did I commit to have this happen to me? But it was a place that he was put, not because he did anything wrong, but because of the actions of other people. I want to tell you that sometimes people can do things that bring us to a very dark place. Sometimes we're surrounded by the lions. You know, the Bible says that, the, that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And sometimes we feel like we're surrounded by devils. You know what the problem is? You can't see them. You don't know where they're coming from. You don't know when that fatal bite will take place. You don't know at what moment that one lion is going to come in for the kill because you can't see, because you're surrounded in darkness. Oh, you hear them moving around. Sometimes we can see the evidence of them a little bit or hear the evidence of them, but we don't completely understand where we're at. It's not something that we did that got us to this place, but it was the actions of other people that put us in this place of darkness and we're confused and we wonder where in the world is God. God, I tried to serve you. 
God, all I did was pray three times a day. And now here I found my life has turned into this, is, is wound up in this den, in this place of darkness. And I know that there's an enemy that's trying to destroy me. And God, I can't defend myself. I don't have a weapon. I don't have anything in my hand. I can't even see them coming. I don't know when the moment I'm going down for the last time is going to be. God, I'm confused. I'm disoriented. I don't know which way is up. And all I know is that, that I was trying to do the right thing and we find ourselves in this moment of darkness at the hand of other people but God I was serving you and so and so still did whatever it was maybe it was the loss of a loved one maybe it was the demise of a relationship who knows what it could be but we find ourselves at the hand of other people in a place of darkness but I want to tell you today that God dwells in thick darkness. God can see perfectly fine what's going on. And it was at that moment when Daniel couldn't even see the lion. He didn't even know where they were at that God walked up and just did this because he can see them fine. And he could tell Daniel, I don't know that he did, but he could tell Daniel, just hold on, Daniel. The morning's coming. And I am sure, as sure as I'm standing here, that at some point, that man of God that we all revere probably knelt down in that lion's den not completely understanding what was going on and said, God, please, please hurry the dawn. Give me some light, God, so I can see. Give me some light, God, so I can understand, so I can at least see what's going on around me. And God simply said, no. I'll dwell in the thick darkness, Daniel. You'll be here for a moment, but the dawn's coming. And when it comes, you'll move on. It's going to be okay. I've got you because I dwell in thick darkness. Daniel survived. And in these times, if we'll understand, we can survive too. There's a third type of darkness that I want to talk about today. It's not self-inflicted like Jacob. It's not even inflicted on us by other people like Daniel. It's found in Matthew chapter 14 in verse 24 through 29. The Bible says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter was come down out of the ship, and he walked on water to go to Jesus. The third type of darkness that we find ourselves in this this thick darkness is the darkness of just pure life. It just happens. It's a storm. See, Jesus had sent the disciples away, and he stayed back to pray. And so now the disciples get out on the midst of the sea, and this storm shows up. And the Bible says the winds are contrary. And it's blowing this little boat around, and it's filling up with water. And no doubt they're bailing water as fast as they can, and, and they're doing everything they can. they got 15 acres out, and you know they're doing whatever they can just to survive. All they were trying to do was survive. They could not see where they were going. They could not see where they had been. 
They couldn't see the shallow water. They didn't know where the sun was. They didn't know how much longer the night was going to last. All they had done was enter survival mode. That God is somehow, I can just make it until tomorrow. I don't understand the storm or the circumstance. God, I'm just trying to make it one more day. Just let me live. And here in this storm, life just brings storms. Things just happen to people. Good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And it rains on the just and the unjust and we all understand that. And and here the disciples obeying what God said for them to do. Doing the will of God. They had forsaken their families and become disciples. And they were following Jesus through his earthly ministry. And they could look back and, and say, Jesus, you're the one that told us to cross the sea to begin with. We're obeying God here and a storm comes up and it's the middle of the night and we're we're in this mode now. We've We've given up trying to sail. We've given up trying to make it to the shore. We've given up trying to, to turn back and go get Jesus. We don't know if we're fixing to hit the boulders at the shore or not. We have no clue. All we're trying to do is survive. And as humanity, we find ourselves in that place oftentimes. That God, if I can just survive this circumstance. God, if I can just survive this storm. God, if I can just survive this problem. God, if I can just survive this sickness. God, if I can just survive this disease. God, I don't necessarily understand what all is going on. And I'm not trying to make it anywhere. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Not only are we in this storm that is just wearing us out, it's the fourth watch of the night, three o'clock in the morning. It's pitch black. And they find themselves in the darkness of life. It's just come to them. And at three o'clock in the morning, Right before it begins to dawn, in the darkest, the darkest moment, there comes a figure walking on the water. I'll tell you how bad the storm was. They didn't recognize Jesus. The very disciples that had just spent the whole day with him, they had spent months with him. They were like brothers. You ever seen somebody from a distance and you know exactly who that is? You know, you're at the mall and you see somebody walk around the whole, you're like, you know who that looks like? That's so-and-so. Because when you spend enough time with people, you recognize them. But they had gotten to such a place in this storm, in this darkness, that they didn't even recognize Jesus. But it was in this moment When Jesus shows up, that he calls for Peter. Peter, this is not what he said, but this is how I see it. Peter, today you're going to grow your faith. Peter, today you're going to trust in me like you've never trusted before. Peter, I've got a future for you. I've got a destiny for you. I've got a purpose for you. 
And you can't be afraid of the darkness, Peter, because there's darkness in your future. And I'm not going to be there like I am right now. So I want you to understand, when it gets dark, it's time to start exercising your faith. And Peter, I want you to go ahead and step out on that boat. And I know that it's scary. And I know that there's a lot of things going on that you don't understand. And no doubt with the darkness of the night, he couldn't see the water just right. And I no doubt he thought it was a, maybe it wasn't as bad as it really was. And he got out and began to realize that this is a little bit worse than I thought it was. But I want to tell you, it's in these moments of darkness. It's in these moments of trial. It's in these moments of situation that God will grow your faith, uh, that you begin to grow, that you begin to stretch. Uh, You say, God, I don't understand it. I'm just a disciple. I'm doing the best I can. Why does this circumstance come to my life? Uh, All I wanted was a blessing. All I wanted was to be a child of God. And now all of a sudden there's darkness and I don't understand it. But God dwells in thick darkness. He doesn't leave us in the thick darkness. He always is with us until the dawn. In all three of these stories that I that I have shared, notice that God He held Jacob and sent an angel to Daniel, and he walked out and got on the boat with the disciples. Do you understand that God doesn't leave you in darkness? But there are times when darkness comes to life. And it's during those times if we can understand that God hasn't abandoned you. God hasn't given up on you. Your past is not destroying you. Other people are not going to have their way and bring your life down. Even nature itself, life, just the the forces of life cannot destroy who you are because God dwells in the thick darkness. He's there with you. He did calm the storm. The Bible says he got on the boat and the wind ceased. You know what he did not do? Was hurry the dawn. In none of these stories did God hurry the dawn. He never makes it light any faster than it would normally become light. But what he does teach us is I'll stay with you in the thick darkness. When life deals us something that doesn't seem fair and doesn't seem right and doesn't seem like that we can ever survive, he says, I'll stay with you because I dwell in the the, the thick darkness too. He's not just a God of light. He's not just a God of illumination. It's not going to be peachy and rosy all our life. But he says, I'll stay with you through the the thick darkness because I dwell there too. There's one place, though, the Bible says that God does not dwell. It's a dark place. There is a dark place that God says, I'm not going to be there. It's found in John 20, verse 1. The Bible says the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. And I'm not going to read the rest of it, but we understand. I want you to notice that part. It was still dark when she got to the tomb. And what did the angel say? Why 
Are you here looking for the living among the dead? He's not here, for he is risen. I want to tell you there is a place that God does not dwell, and it's a dark place, and that is the place that of, of sin that has been forgiven. Jesus does not dwell in the darkness of a tomb. Once forgiven, once you've been washed by the blood of Calvary, once God has got a hold of your life, He puts your past, He puts the darkness, the deeds, all of that in the tomb. And He never goes back. After Jesus resurrected, He went back to Jerusalem. After Jesus resurrected, He went back to the sea and He broiled fish for the disciples. After Jesus resurrected, he walked on the road to Emmaus. There's a lot of places Jesus went after he resurrected, but you know one place he did not go? He never went back to the tomb. And once we come to God, and once we tell God that we're sorry, and God has forgiven us of all of the past deeds, and those things may come back, and they may come back to haunt us, we still reap what we sow. But when they do, God is with us. But he never goes back. He never brings that stuff up again. And there's people here today, you struggle. You struggle with the past. It haunts you. It comes back to you. And and God has forgiven you. And you're in the tomb. And you say, God, where are you? But he's not there. If you go to the tomb of your past, if you go to the tomb of your failure, if you go to the tomb of your past mistakes, you won't find God there. Because He doesn't bring that up. He does not hold that against us anymore. God dwells in the thick darkness. If you'll stand with me this morning, It's a little bit earlier than we normally dismiss. Happy Memorial Day. But as much as this weekend is about celebrating servicemen and women that gave their life that we might be free, this service is about celebrating God that when we find ourselves in places we don't understand, when we find ourselves in places we can't see the future, when we find ourselves in places that all we're trying to do is just make it, if I can just make it. We find ourselves in dark caves and in lion's dens surrounded by enemies, and we question in our minds and in our hearts, where in the world is God? Remember that God dwells in the thick darkness too. I was going to mention Paul and Silas and the darkness of their captivity, the thing that held them in prison. It was at midnight that they prayed and was delivered, but dawn didn't come any earlier. If you're held captive today, I want to tell you that God is with you even in your captivity. God never leaves 
and He never forsakes. He does not leave us in darkness. He does not leave us in darkness. And somebody here this morning, I don't know who you are. Perhaps you came to this building today with a past. You're not sure how God could even love you. You're not sure that God would ever even forgive you. I've had people tell me before that Brother Merrill, he said, one man in particular said, I've had 30 years uh, plus that I've had a, a hard drug habit and I know that God cannot forgive me. Yes, he can. Maybe there's somebody here today that somebody has done you wrong. Maybe you're in a spot that wasn't your fault. Maybe life has just been hard. And you wonder where God is in all of these things. I want to tell you that God's dwelling in that thick darkness and he's with you. He's either got his arm around you, he's got his hand on the mouth of the lion, or he's standing in the boat. But any which way it goes, you're not alone. The only place you're alone is in your past, sitting among your mistakes, sitting among the sin, among all the problems. This morning I want to open the front. And if you find yourself in one of those places, I want you to come down, talk to God. He may not make it dawn earlier, but I can guarantee you if you can get a hold of God like Jacob did and say, God, I'm just not going to let you go. In just a few moments, God will bless you. God will change who you are. He may not change all the circumstance. I know that's not popular, but God will change you to deal with those circumstances better. This morning, as Casey begins to sing, if, if God would lead you and direct you and guide you, would you make your way up front? And let's talk to God for just a few moments. Let's engage the Spirit of God. Say, God, I need you to lead me. God, it's dark and I don't understand my circumstance, but would you lead me? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Everybody come, everybody come. We all need to talk to God. We all need to talk to God.